Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind with myself, Edward, Jim and Tommy Two Pool Noodles. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in the upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Now, before we start this evening, we're going to let the listeners know that uh, Tommy Two Pool Noodles didn't make it to the recording tonight. Uh, he had an unfortunate swimming accident. Um, where one of the noodles slipped and he had to be rescued by the lifeguard. So uh, poor Tom is in hospital at the moment, feeling a little bit under the weather. So a uh, big shout out to Tom. He's like a Tom lollipop at the moment. We leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> Very unfortunate incident. It was a terrible way to try and sneak out the noodles when you asked me. I'm sure the pool would have said, yeah, just take them home. It's fine. <laughs> really didn't need to stuff them down in shorts. Yeah. Really didn't need to do that. How are you, Edward? Good week. Not too bad. Very, very quiet week. I am. Uh, I am thankful to the listeners that did uh, assist me uh, with last week's request. Oh, How did you get on? How's the How's the cool talk? Not Not great. It was very few listeners actually responded to me and helped with me. But uh, kudos to all those who did. Uh, and uh, I'm bussing with the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know what that means <laughs> i know tom explained it last week but i couldn't follow it i was <laughs> yeah to be honest with you i don't either but now i have to do uh tomorrow night i have to go out for uh beers with uh the youngsters and, oh that's uh, try that's, not... that's the night is it yeah tomorrow night so i have to go out for beers with the youngsters and not make a fool of myself do you think that do you think that these words are going to kind of creep into your consciousness and you're going to forget who you're talking to and when you're talking to the higher ups you'll be like they'll be like oh and we need you to run the numbers on blah 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 and you'll be like yeah that's bussing (laughs) thankfully tomorrow night i am one of the more senior people there so it doesn't really doesn't really matter that much if I make that much of a fool of myself with sort of things like that. As long as I don't get drunk and fall down, sort of thing, it should be okay. That's a very low bar, so you're <laughs> you're you're, you're going to be fine. I'd say. <laughs> and how's your week been, Jeff? What have you been up to? Um, nothing. Yeah, I watched a lot of rugby and uh, felt very vindicated with my choices. I don't know if you noticed, but I was fully correct last weekend. Um, which I'd like to have been wrong on one choice, but you know. It is what it is. Um, and other than that, yeah, nothing really. Um, we had our first game there at the weekend, and that's probably why I sound so stuffed up. Thank God rugby is a winter sport, and we play it in horrible weather. I'd hate to play it on a nice sunny day, you know, on a nice fast ground or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm still dealing with the after effects of that. But other than that, no, very quiet. I actually, actually got a haircut today, right? I went in at 20 past three, walked straight into a seat. The place was empty at 20 past three and I was sitting there and as the lady was cutting my hair, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, how long have I been here? Like, I feel like I've been here quite 45 minutes. She took to cut my hair 45 minutes. I got up, I like for the listeners who don't know what I look like. I'm not that like hairy man. Like I just get a short back and sides, little scissors on top. I don't like reinvent the wheel here or anything like that. I stood up, looked at my phone. It said five past four. I was like, I was meant to collect my son 10 minutes ago. How does it take so long? <laughs> 45 minutes. Insane. And it wasn't even like there was a conversation. Like I like it was just one person sitting there, another person cutting hair. We didn't get lost in conversation or chat or anything like that. Just 45 minutes of stone cold silence and the sound of a scissors clipping away. Couldn't believe it. I... I love that from a from a from a good hairdresser that they just don't engage you in conversation. Oh yeah, there's that there's you know, the initial I'm pretty... the initial how are you blah blah blah, and after that it's like listen, we both know why you're here. Let's just get it yeah. done. And yeah. yeah, I really enjoy that actually. Yeah, um, sounds so I'd bad. Pay a premium it? for that. Yeah, <laughs> I would pay a premium not to talk to somebody. Doesn't that sound so grumpy? Don't talk to me. <laughs> but now the big the big question, and for those of you who haven't seen this, Jeff, yeah, both of us have beards. Did you get the beard trimmed as well? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. I had to today. Like, um, you see, I have a wedding at the weekend. A friend of mine is getting married. So I'm going down to another wedding. Would you believe? Another I'll never, ever recover financially from this year. But um, it was a haircut was on my list of things to do for the last maybe three weeks. Do you know that kind of way? And so was plugging in the beard trimmer to trim the beard. But I just never did it. 
So I was in there today and I was like, do the whole lot, do the whole lot. So maybe that's what took for it. That's not the reason. Like, but um, yeah, she didn't talk to me though, which was great. Um, but I felt 45 minutes was just a bit excessive. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some, there's some, there's some days in work you could do a full day's work in 45 minutes. Do you, do you know when you break it down? But um, yeah, look, a bit of me time was nice as well, I suppose. And I got to sit there and think to myself how nice it was to be fully correct in my in my predictions, which actually you love this now. I've gone from being way behind to being joint with Tommy Tupul Noodle and only two games behind you. Only two behind me. Okay, that puts pressure on then for this week. I've decided right. to stop messing around as well. Like my early predictions, I was like, yeah, I don't care. But no, I'm back in the game. Oh, you're getting competitive now. We're back in the game. Right. We'll kick off then and we'll look at Connacht against Munster. Connacht uh, beat Munster 20 points to 11 on Friday night thanks to tries from Mac Hanson, Finley Beelham and Paul Boyle. Munster's only try came from Pat Campbell. Um, Connacht dominated in the tight exchanges and to be honest with you, Munster had little answer for it. Um, I thought early on, particularly in the scrums, um, Buckley got um got the better of um Keenan Knox, but it, it it was mainly due to the the angle that he was boring in at. And once he was sort of um called out on that by the ref, um I thought Knox equipped himself quite well and, and held steady on that side. But it was on the other side where Finney Beelham caused an awful lot of problems for particularly for Dave Kilcoyne that they got the dominance in the scrum. And that then seemed to translate then forward into the, the mall. I thought their mall was very effective as well. And it was a real surprise that actually Munster went in at halftime on top. Yeah, I um, totally agree. Yeah, I think at halftime when they were going in, I was kind of like, how were Munster ahead after the opening 20 minutes they had? I just couldn't really figure that out. Um, As well, you mentioned him there. Do you know when Ireland squads and stuff are being kind of announced around the time and people are like guessing their own Ireland squads. I'm not, I don't, I don't mean match day, but actually even, do you know what? We could actually go down the route of match day squads as well and everything like that. And people are predicting them. And anytime someone kind of omits Finley Beelham, there's a little kind of like, would you not put Beelham in there? You know, he's like, I think outside Connacht, I think it's, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this, but like, I think outside Connacht, he's vastly underrated. Like he is an unbelievable player. Like, and he left the pitch, what, about 60 minutes in, was it? Ish, I think. Still got player of the game. Yeah. Do you know, like he had a huge impact on that game, be it in the scrum, but also like around the pitch, his his breakdown work, his carrying, like he, he was unbelievable. And even the little video, did you see the video of him when he got announced as player of the game? And he's just like really, he's just... <laughs> He's really deadpan and he just keeps flicking his eyes left and right as if to say, who, me? It was very funny, like, but um, oh, he had a great game and it's probably one of those games that he'll look back on, you know, and be like, that was an excellent game. I was really, do you know, like professional players, I think sometimes they think back to games they played well in and say, why did I play well in that? What kind of state of mind was I in? How do I get back there? I think that's one that he'd chalk up into the, probably his own record books, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. He was he was fantastic for them. I think what turned it around for Connacht in the second half was their kicking. And I think the fact that they they used the three out halves, if you want to call them that. They had Carty, who again came first first game of the season, comes back. It was his first game, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It's very definitely his first start. I can't remember if he featured off the bench, but I don't think he did. Maybe I'm wrong. No. Oh, no, I don't think he did. I think that's you're right. I think that's his first start. So there was himself, Hawkshaw, and um, Fitzgerald. Yeah, and they used the three of them so so effectively. They started to kick more. They weren't playing. They didn't try to overplay rugby, which I think we, I well certainly I had talked about and been a little bit critical of them in their previous games. Um, and the fact that they were able to to win the game line battles was was a big thing. But it was even the ability or the I suppose Hawkshaw stood up better than I thought he would at 12. He was a lot more physical um, and did really well, not only with his with his kicking, but then it was, if you look at the how Connacht won, it was actually the 50-22 from Connor Fitz with the left-footed option. And Munster 
it was it was something Munster got caught out by almost a little bit with their positioning, and that gave them the the ability to get into the twenty two and use that rolling ball from there. And it's they fully deserved their win. Yeah, it's 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 funny you mentioned those two things. First off, Hawkshaw, you're dead right. I felt like you see Aki's not in that game or a Tom Daly's not in that game at 12 and you're thinking kind of maybe that's where you could get it to him. I felt Hawkshaw like just fronted up so well. Like I felt he was brilliant. And you're, yeah, I think you're bang on the money about that 50-22 as well. Like Connacht were behind, Munster were kind of still chomping a bit. And literally that 50-22 Ronan Mall score. And I know they missed the conversion and they were still behind after that. But I mean, it was it was literally momentum Connacht there at that stage. I mean, they went from it was it, the scrum was outside their twenty two, so I don't want to say they were exiting, and it was obviously pre planned to kick it as well. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't like you can't say that that fifty twenty two was the plan. Do you know what I mean? The plan was obviously to get out and to to chase and to defend and hopefully to to get the ball back further up the pitch. The kick was unbelievable. Like, I think if that was a Southern Hemisphere, like super rugby kick and rugby pass or something like that, tweeted it or shared it on Instagram, it would have thousands of views and everything like that. It was up there with one of the best 50-22s you'll ever see. Like, And it literally changed the game. 100% to change the game. Like, you, we talked there about Munster being ahead at halftime and you're kind of like, fuck, after that start, I did not expect that. And I don't think Connacht maybe expected it either. You'd, like they were all over Munster at the start of that game. But then nothing really changed until that swing. I think it swung the game completely. And uh, Connacht did very well then to, to just go on and win it. Totally. And like one one of the questions, and we'll, we'll maybe switch over now to Munster, but like one of the questions that we got through on Twitter from the from the listeners is, you know, there we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks around framework and trying to implement it and the changes coming in, but someone asked, and I thought it was a really good question. What is the reason for Munster's collapse in form? And they said, why are they seeing such a big difference compared to last season? And like, for me, I think it's, we've seen, first of all, it's such a big change in terms of what they're trying to do compared to where they were. And from some of the questions have been, or some of the comments have been around that have been like, well, how can they go and be competitive against Toulouse in the Aviva to, you know, getting beaten out the gate effectively in, in the URC this season, like sort of dragons and things like that. They're, they're losing comprehensively. They can barely, you have experienced Irish internationals that can barely hold on to a ball or pass a ball. And I think one of the, one of the key differences around that is around the speed at which Munster want to play and the accuracy involved. And if you look back to the last maybe five to seven years with Munster, even under even going back as far as Razzie coming in, um, and you look at that, one of the one of the real bugbears of me and quite a few other fans was the committee meeting at the back of a rook. Connor Murray would stand there he'd wave his hands looking for a, a penalty from the ref and then when that didn't come they'd organise a pod and they'd have three players and they'd have waiting to go into it but it was all low risk um, slow deliberate play and they could get over the game line but they would do that against 70 or 80% of the teams that they come up against and then once it got to the very top level that wouldn't work because they couldn't win the gain lines. The likes of Stan, CJ Stander was running into defensive lines who were who were just waiting for him. They had he was double or triple teamed because they knew what was coming and they could they could literally have a cup of tea and reorganize while they waited for 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 the ball to come back to him. Now the importance of it is that the the ball needs to be moved quickly. It doesn't need necessarily need to be the right decision. It just needs to happen quickly and players need to be in place. So for where you have the idea that Munster were dominant in collisions, they were doing so in groups. Now they've been asked to do it in much smaller groups. You're looking at generally one ball carrier and one player on either side of them. And, and the expectation is that they are going to get to ground, win the game line, get to ground and secure that ball between the three of them. And if the timing is even off slightly, the aggression is off, as we've talked about, 
they're not necessarily winning the game line. And if the, the ball is slow from the ruck and the defense is set, then that small pod is going to get knocked backwards. So the biggest key to Munster's success this season, I think, will come from the speed of the ruck. The, the quicker that ruck speed is, the more successful Munster will be. Now, I think there's, there's also issues around, I think, in the background conditioning, because I think Munster are moving from, a as I talked about there, a position where they needed people who were big. They didn't need to be necessarily quick or explosive, whereas now they have to be on their feet. They have to be moving a lot more. They have to be moving quicker. And I don't think they're necessarily there physically from where, where they need to be. Now, I'm others may disagree with me on that, but and I also think there, and we've talked about it again, was there are players that are not going to come out of this season with another contract. The, this new style that they're trying to implement is going to leave players behind. And this is not being, this is not being, I suppose, critical of players. It's certain styles suit certain players. And there will be players that are just left behind in this. Um, and I think there, there will be certain players that shine in this as well. Guys, like I think Casey, Crowley, others should really, really be suited to like this. And I think it's the younger players. I think the likes of Tom Ahern, um, Keenan Knox, um, Kendall and Hodnett, those guys should all really suit this. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of those players were taken away from the start of the season. Yeah, it was mentioned on Twitter as well. Like, if you look at the number of tight five carries per province, like Ulster's highest, Leinster's just behind them, and Munster are way below them. And people may think, like, well, you know, there's 15 players on a pitch that can carry a ball. Like, you have to look at the profile of a front five player. They're probably your biggest. They're probably your heaviest. In terms of power output, they're probably up there as well when you think about it. So when they carry balls, they're winning collisions. But it's when you win the collision, it's when you win that tackle and you make it a negative tackle for the defender, meaning you're getting ground and you're in a good position, you're in control of the contact. Your latch or your whatever, your your person coming in on the breakdown, whatever you want to call them, they're in a very positive position and they have plenty of time to make a decision to deal with a threat or whatever it may be. When you're when you're losing collisions and it becomes a positive tackle for the defender, that breakdown's a lot harder to win and it takes longer to do so, which means any kind of chance that you had of reorganizing or taking time away from the defense. And that's probably the biggest thing that like, if anyone wants to bring in a good defensive system, the biggest thing you want to, to buy for your team is time. It's not kind of, you know, it's not making a big kind of hit or it's not worrying about tackle or anything like that. It's just having time between phases. Like when you, when you win the collision and you have a good carry and it makes your breakdown real easy, you're taking time away from the defense to organize and it just sucks them in and it continues to put them on a back foot. And when you, like anyone who's ever played any kind of rugby, it doesn't have to be professional, literally J10s. When you're jogging backwards and then suddenly have to go forwards and then you have to jog backwards again and then suddenly go forwards, like that's a bitch of a thing to do, like, and especially in a defensive, like for, for a defense, I should say. So, I mean, if Munster's front five aren't carrying the ball, like, where are they? Like, what are you doing? How are you, like, who's winning those collisions? Who's carrying the ball up? And I know it's a quick game they want to play and they want to get away from that game that you were on about, but like the tactics of rugby hasn't really changed all that much in, you know, since the turn pro or whatever it was like your big guys are still going to get you ground and your big guys are still going to cause damage. Like you look at skeleton carrying a ball, will skeleton carrying a ball, look at the damage he causes like, and look at the number of players he sucks in. He actually, even a good example, and I know he's not a front row or a front five forward, but you look at Stuart McCluskey when he gets on the ball, he just he has his own gravitational pull. Players have defenders have to come in on him because of what he's able to do damage wise. So I mean, if your big units aren't carrying ball, it just makes it easier for the defender to make it a, a longer ruck or a positive tackle or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes a front five forward effective at carrying a ball like that, it's not being big. I think it's actually, it's that explosive, 
acceleration over yeah, five yards. Yeah, the power output. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that acceleration over five yards. And it, you can be big and you can carry the ball and you can be effective. But if you don't have that explosive acceleration over that first five yards or so, it's very hard to do it. You need a longer run-up. I think of of the tight five that Munster have and are likely to play, only re- really Kilcoyne has what I would call that true explosive carry. Yeah. Um, like and that, d- that's that's why they suffer. Dwayne Vermeulen, uh, for anyone who watched the Ulster game, had a carry where I know he's not a front five forward as well, but like just if you want a good example of kind of that that explosiveness, he took a ball off nine standing still and just boom, gone. I think he beat two defenders in the carry and just kept carrying. Like it was a just he exploded off the mark. So I suppose that's a good example of what you're talking about. But it's funny. Do you remember there last season when we were talking about Connacht and the need power? And even at the start of the season, we were questioning if the signings Connacht made gave them the power they needed. We had some cheek, didn't we? Like when you think about it, we had some we had some neck in us saying, do Connacht have the power when you look at the game there last weekend against Munster? Connacht were excellent. Like absolutely excellent, like. Um, but so I think I, that that power from Connacht came from maybe unexpected sources. It came from Hawkshaw initially, yeah, like as, as one yeah. of the best. Like, and no one would have had him down. You would have hoped that someone like um, Josh Murphy would have done that. He he didn't necessarily get enough game time there to 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 prove it. But I I do wonder, and this is not a sort of a a dig at Connacht. I think. Connacht's test will come over the next couple of weeks because Munster are in a very, very bad place. Oh yeah. That, like, was, that, that was that was a good win for Connacht. I don't think that's necessarily the yardstick to say, okay, they have they have their problem sorted. I think it's I, a it's a good step towards it. Um I, fu- all, I, fu- I fully agree. Fully agree. Like they have Leinster next week. If you look before that, they had two games in South Africa and they had Ulster away as well. Like of those five games, Munster was probably the easiest one. And that's not yeah. to slight the win. I'm not slighting the win in any way here. Like they won the game, hands down, brilliant. And they came from behind in a really well, good way to do it. And they did it really well and they closed out the game really well. But of the five games, if like Munster's not the yardstick there, I don't think. No. And I I think um as as Connacht go on, it'll be the the next once once they I think it's probably when they get to sort of the after the autumn internationals, that's the true yardstick for where Connacht are this season didn't that did that hurt you a little bit there when we said monster aren't the yardstick like doesn't that hurt just a little bit like to be a monster fan and say monster aren't the yardstick connock should be measuring themselves against like it doesn't to hurt be honest me with you. hurt me <laughs> and i i tell you why because i have been saying for i have been saying for quite a while that monster monster well monster's performances particularly in europe disguise an awful lot yeah you were saying that all right yeah and i i think it's it's masked a lot of problems and i i for one am delighted that it's finally been addressed even if it's taken so long to do it the um the preview for the connacht game we'll probably do after we talk about leinster will we and we can just yeah i suppose put that in the same bracket um yeah monster the bulls this weekend i think personally even though monster and tolman park they have 10 second points or they have 10 second half points so far this season. Like that's not winning any games. So I, I like, I'm going for the bulls here. And I also think the power the bulls will have, like we're talking there about the, the power problems, the breakdown problems. Bulls, bulls Connacht there at home a couple of weeks ago. I think that, you know, they lost to Glasgow last week. Am I right in saying that the bulls? Yeah. Bulls, I, um, I don't see two performances yeah. like that in Glasgow. Yeah, wasn't it? Um, in Glasgow, this yeah. is part of their tour to the Northern Hemisphere. I think yeah. Munster have quite a few injuries. They have Peter Romani has been assessed for a neck injury, um, and Liam Coombs is returning to training this week, but I'm not sure if he'll be available. Finnean Witcherly will also be assessed. Mike Haley is out. Daniel Okeke has gone undergone surgery and be out for a long while. And then you obviously have Snyman, uh, Kendlin. Uh, Keith Arrows, Andrew Conway, and Simon Zebo out as well. Um, as you say, um, Bulls are three and one, uh, three wins, one defeat, only defeat coming away last week, and they've beaten Connacht, Edinburgh, and the Lions so far. I'm going to go with you on this. I'm going to go with a Bulls win. I don't. I think 
things are going to stay somewhat um, bad for Munster on the pitch, I think, until I would say it could be January, February before things really start coming to, to sort of fruition. I think the the one thing that would help Munster is the return of the emerging Ireland players, but they're not going to be available until uh, they're only back, I think, this week, so they're unlikely to train and be involved, I would say, unless there is injury cover needed. So at that point, I think I'd have to go for the Bulls to win. Yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'm not saying like that it won't click for Munster this season. I just think what we saw last week against Connacht to expect that to be flipped on its head in, you know, six days. I just don't see that happening against a power team like the Bulls. Um, certainly Munster's second half is worrying enough. Like 10 points in four games is insanely low. And it is. It's, it's, you're not going to win games like that. Like, like it's that simple. Like to win games, you have to score more points in the opposition, right? And Tom actually asked me the last day, he said, how many points goes for a try? And for people thinking I'm actually messing, I can show you the message. So Tom takes me out the last day, how many points are for a try? And I said, Tom, don't worry about how many points, just score loads of them and you're fine. So I just don't think that those problems will be addressed by next week against the Bulls. So that's why I'm going for the Bulls. Now, Tom also sent in his predictions. And again, I'm actually not pulling the piss here. He did back Munster and it's in the group chat you can, yeah, you know, I'll verify that. Yeah, yeah. So Tom went for Munster, um, which is fair play to him. Um, he's loyal to a T, um, but I just don't see it happening to be honest. The only in that I think Munster might have on this is I have I haven't seen too much of the Bulls, but I saw them play against Connacht, and while they were comprehensively the best team on the pitch that night, um, in South Africa. They made so many mistakes. Yeah, and they gave their their discipline was extremely poor. A ton of penalties they gave away. Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, if Munster do, if some, if it only starts clicking at certain points, the way if the Bulls continue to give up penalties and their discipline is poor, that may offer Munster a way back into the game at times when they're not playing well. Yeah. That would be the only thing. But I still think, the same as yourself, the Bulls are likely to come with a power pack and if they can play 10 men rugby. Then... Yeah. And I think they'd have no issue doing that either. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So moving on then to Leinster against the Sharks. Um, Leinster beat the Sharks 54-34 on Saturday at the RDS in a very entertaining game of rugby, which had 13 tries. Um, the Sharks looked to attack Leinster at the breakdown and I thought um, first half particularly Leinster's penalty count gave the Sharks really easy access into the Leinster half um, but Leinster's defence was much more disciplined and the Sharks had to rely on their backs and uh, the sort of um, they, they did cause Leinster trouble with their movement and their pace particularly off set piece they had some lovely moves on that um, like for me it, it, it was really a game with two halves in in that the the sort of the indiscipline from Leinster in the first half uh, allowed the Sharks to really make a game of it, um, and then Leinster's narrow power attack you could see it sucking in the the sort of the the Sharks defense, forcing them very very narrow, and then Leinster were using the kick pass, and I, I was it four tries they scored off a kick pass. I know Sexton scored his own chip through, Henshaw scored, no sorry, uh, Henshaw kicked. One, uh, Natai Henshaw scored one, one, and Henshaw scored one. So yeah, that's four I count from Leinster as well. But the Sharks scored a chip through for themselves, and what was an unbelievable counter attack try. Did they score a second one? I think off a kick as well. All I remember is watching the game. I don't remember that many kicks being the assist for the try in one game. Like there was a heave for them. Um, yeah, it was. It was easily the game of the weekend, wasn't it? Like really, do you know what I mean? And maybe Glasgow fans will say it was the Bulls game, but. For me, that Leinster Shark game was just, it was one of those games where you're like, Do you know what? I don't want to talk shop at all here. I just want to sit down and watch it. It was unbelievable. 
and it was excellent in in terms of, I thought there was a lovely balance between the strike moves the open play in it um even managed to get a red card thanks to the yeah. um <laughs> the head hunting from from the uh, van Rensburg the shark center he got he got two tackles in in the one move that both could have seen him get a red card. It was shocking, wasn't it? Like it was absolutely shocking. Like, and what I found funny as well was not funny. I shouldn't say that. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but when the TMO was looking at it, they kept just looking at the first tackle, and they were like, "Okay, let's go through the framework here." And I'm like, even if that fails, just go to the next one. <laughs> yeah, you'll get them to each other. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, if he didn't do it the first time, he definitely did it the second. But um, you mentioned the pace there, the Sharks. Their first two tries came from set piece and the speed they ran it was incredible. Just every like everyone knew their roles and everything. It reminded me of um, the Maori All Blacks scored a try against Ireland there back last summer. And again, it was off set piece and it was off a scrum. And like that, everyone knew their roles, obviously. But the pace they did it at was just, you're kind of left rocked on your heels. Like, I don't know who to look at here. Um, Sharks were very good that way, but... Yeah, like you said, the second half, Leinster really just kind of shown, I suppose, just really put it through. What what I found, um, what I found very funny as well was I was watching the game anyway, and the commentator, um, said something along the lines of, "This is a weakened Sharks team. They're missing a number of players, etc." And he said, "But there aren't that many frontliners missing for Leinster," and I was like. Hang on a second. They're missing Tig Furlong. They're missing well not missing, don't get me wrong, like, but Tig Furlong's omitted. Josh van der Fleer's omitted. They're missing Conan or not Conan, but um or they were missing yeah. Conan, sorry. He went out yeah. or yeah, so he was gone anyway as well. Um they were missing Kaylin Doris, Jemison Gibson Park, um, James Lowe, Hugo Keenan. I was like, you can't say this is a near full strength Leinster side when you're leaving out that many international players that would probably start if it was a European final here, you know? Um, but they did so well. Like, they, it was such, and I can't stress it enough. And literally, I think everybody who watched it would say the same thing. It was easily the game of the weekend. Um, but even like, you know, you had the entertainment side, which was brilliant. You still had the physicality that you want to see in, you know, when you're watching it, like when I suppose you're, you, you, that's kind of part par for the course like you still had the bit of drama you still had the few handbags there weren't many like you know but you still had people throwing their weight around a little bit like you know um it was just such an entertaining game like i loved it i absolutely loved it one of those games you could just go back and say oh, I've, i'm not not tonight i might watch that game back just to watch it back like I, I think it was I the one thing that I was disappointed was that there wasn't more scrubs. I love them <laughs> and I am the big Carlo Sadie stan account. I'm there. Um, and he didn't get utilized enough. Um, himself and Big Thomas the Toy. Um, Sharks were just getting the ball and just throwing it in front of them. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, another oh, scrum. No. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, like do you know do you know when Aussie rules the way they, they solo the ball by bouncing it forward? <laughs> 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 oh, am I not meant to do that? <laughs> I I would pay literally good money. I'm talking like Six Nations International middle, you know, halfway line stand ticket money to watch just a game that's played within like 10 squared meters with just the packs. Just murder ball, like. Yeah, just murder ball, <laughs> but just constant scrums and malls. Yeah, murder ball for that with, with the Sharks front five. Nobody Pretty likes fit. murder ball. Nobody oh. likes it. It's a hard, like. Like, I remember, you know, we've all been there at training. Coach says, you know, right, these are, these are, these are your touchlines and they're about four yards apart. And you're like, are you shitting me? <laughs> We're going to die. <laughs> yeah, there can be only one winner. Yeah. <laughs> at the end, you're just like, nobody won here. <laughs> Um, it's, it's like a scene from Saving Private Ryan. I tell you one thing about that game now that I found incredible. Like all the talk about tens, like up and coming Irish tens, who's the next Irish ten and everything like that. And there has been a lot of talk, especially the way, you know, like we've all been talking about Frawley and then we're talking about Carberry and oh, Jack Crowley was very good in the emerging tour and everything like that. Sexton just came out and kind of just said, daddy's home, step aside, 
I'm going to show you how now how it's done, and just flawless like. And Absolutely. it says how good Ringrose was after coming on after 20 minutes to get player of the game. Like it, it shows how good he actually was when he got that ahead of Sexton. Like Sexton was my choice all day. Like he was flawless. And I don't just mean with his kicking, his distribution and everything like that. Even when it came and there were the, there certain areas criticizing it, even when it came to challenging the ref and sticking up for his teammates and everything. I was literally watching it and I was like, yeah, that's what you want from a captain. You want a guy who's literally, yeah, you're ahead. The game is like more or less over. Do you know what I mean? Like the 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 decision has been decided or the, the score, like all that's left is the scoreline, but like you have won the game, but he's still pushing saying, he can't do that to my players. He can't do that. He can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And if you're a player watching this, like that brings your standards up. Like you watch how flawless a game he had and he demands that from everybody else in his team. But he also demands that from the referee. And he also demands that like his players are being looked after and he'll stand up for them. If you're a player behind them, you're like, geez, I'd, I'll follow him. No problem. But I, I, th- I think, no, I, I totally agree with it, but I think he gets that based on his experience. Um, and, you know, he, he's been there and got the t-shirt. You can't come out and be that way if you're some like 18 year old coming out of the academy. You can't come out and talk to a ref like that. And that's oh the, no, no, I don't, no, I, no. I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think necessarily people understand the difference there. You've, you've got to earn your stripes to be able to go and talk to a referee like that. Whereas yeah. you know, you know, yeah, but I think, like that. I think, I think an 18 year old though, like if you come out at that age or 19, whatever, and you demand that excellence of the people around you and you're barking at them and demanding that too. Like that's class. That's what you want. Oh, that's, that's what you want, but you, you can't speak to the ref in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but I, know, I just you, felt you've got to, brilliant. Oh, he, I thought he was excellent. So the other thing I wanted to talk about was the Ryan Baird injury. Um, was it a yellow or was it a rugby incident? So for anyone who hasn't seen it, what happens is Baird is chasing a kick pass. He's running parallel to the touchline with the Sharks out half running beside him. Both go up to contest and catch the ball. But it's the Sharks fullback who comes across from midfield and takes out Baird. Now, I don't think there was anything malicious in it in that both all players were looking at the ball and trying to claim the ball. But the fact is Baird was taken out and the legs were taken from underneath him by a player coming across. The ball was won and collected in the air by the Sharks out half and he claimed the mark on the top of it. Now, it was claimed as and officiated as a rugby incident. But I'd like to get your view on that, Jeff. Well, the way, I, like, well, you described it perfectly well, but if people go back and they watch the video when the 10 catches the ball and you just pause it at that second he's pretty much shoulder to shoulder with Baird so I mean like if in any way they're both in the air if any way that ball goes through his hands or something or he missed it or whatever or if there was another six inches on the kick or whatever like that further like it's probably going into Baird's hands who's in the who's in the air now the 15 coming across doesn't doesn't jump for it like it doesn't really look like his eyes are on the ball either. It just looks like he's messed up. Like I, I think he's gone over to cover across, but just made a balls of it. And like you said, there's no maliciousness or anything. I don't think so either. Absolutely not. But we don't judge on intent. Like that's the thing. And ultimately he takes the legs out from under Baird. Baird hits the ground. And then the 10 who collected the ball actually lands on Baird's head as well. Now, I think you actually put it brilliantly there um, off air earlier when you said how different would that be or how how would that be dealt with differently if Baird had caught the ball? Your, your man's off the pitch. It's that simple. Like. And I think that's that's the way that it is being refereed based on outcome. Because I think, you know, and it's one of the, the quirks, I suppose, of, of the way it has been dealt with by the referees at the moment. If the Lions player wins that, as he has done there, 
it becomes just a rugby incident between two players who were competing for a ball. The problem is that it's, I don't see that as being that much different to say, I'm trying to think back to maybe one of the ones, um, Jared Payne. That's yeah, off, for, Ulster, the quarter, yeah. for Ulster. You know, it was probably one of the first, one of the first times that sort of ruling had come through in a big game and he, he got sent off for that. I don't see that incident as being that different. The only difference is that the sh- the other Sharks player actually claimed the ball. So Baird is just up there competing and it's a, a rugby incident. If he has that ball, it's a straight red, no question. You know, and it, it, I, I, it doesn't necessarily change the game, but it's it certainly is a different outcome in terms of the, how the referee um, interprets it. I think you have to look at it as well. Didn't Sexton get really irate afterwards with the ref and he was like pointing and he was like, you need to review that kind of a thing. Mm. Like at the same time, there's an element of care that needs to be taken there towards the players. And it was like an accident. Like, I think we can agree that 50 or that, yeah, that 15 didn't seek to do that. Like, you know, but at the end of the day, Baird got stretchered off a pitch because of the 15's actions. You have to look at it from a player welfare. And like, if you're a referee or sorry, if you're a player at grassroots level, or if you're a kid watching that and you're a 15 like what precedent does that set then in your mind? Like if, you, if you're a 15 year old at 15 and you're covering across and you see a player jump late, like at what stage now after seeing that do you say, well, actually it's okay if I do this because it's just an accident or well, I actually can't touch him because he's in the air. Like there is that after effect there as well. Well, look, it, it comes down, it comes down to a very simple thing is if, if you can claim the ball, <laughs> you, you, you're pretty much good to go and do whatever you want. If yeah. you don't claim that ball, you have left yourself open to being essentially red carded, no matter what happens. And I saw on Twitter as well, people were saying, well, Bar jumped quite quite late and so, so on like this. Like there was there were some tweets like that saying, oh, he jumped late into it and blah, blah, blah. He's still in the air. Like if you're a 15 waiting to catch a ball and you've an eight pouring down on you, ready to absolutely melt you, of course, you're going to hop into the air and force him to check his run, which means you're not getting melted. You're just getting, you know, tackled like you're just getting scragged. Like it happens all the time. But again, the responsibility is on that player coming in. It has to be. And like, I think you're right. There has to be a, a requirement for the players who are going up to have a level of concern and safety for those around them. Um, but unless the refereeing and officiating of that changes, there is no requirement to do it. It's literally get your hands on the ball first. And I, I think yeah. that's that's the, the biggest thing that's coming out of this one. Um, we'll move on then to... Oh, the, do, we, do we have to preview Connacht Leinster? Don't we? Yeah, we're, yeah. We'll, we'll move on to that and, and see see how that goes. For Leinster, um, they've announced a short-term contract for hooker Tyg McElroy. Um, he's joining... Um, it's really good business. It is. I mean, yeah. he, he's come back from, from England. He played for, I think, wasn't it Saracens and London Irish more recently. And he's been playing AIL. And I think he impressed in a, a Leinster A game. Uh, and managed to get a con a short term contract out of that, and that that obviously helps in terms of the injury to the likes of James Tracy and others. Yeah, there. So and and Ronan Kelleher is out at the moment. So that's that's a good bit of business for them. Caelan Doris is back available after his concussion issues. Um, Dave Carney and Jack Conan will need further assessment this week. Um, to see whether they can be involved against Connacht. Uh, Reese Ruddock, Luke McGrath, and Ryan Baird were all withdrawn for HIAs, um, and we'll have to do the return to play protocols. And then Ronan Kelleher, Kieran Frawley, Hugo Keenan, James Lowe, uh, James Tracy, and Tommy O'Brien are out long term, and they're joined by Jordan Larmer, who's expected to be out for a number of weeks with a foot injury. Although I did see that um, it was Hugo Keenan, James Lowe, and Kieran Frawley have started some return to training with Leinster this week. And although they won't make the Connacht game, they should be back for Ireland and Leinster ahead of the Autumn Internationals. So it's Leinster against, or it's Connacht against Leinster on Friday night at the sports ground. 
uh, or the showgrounds, if you want to really, as I call it. You want to anger the Connacht clan? Oh, completely. I see, Look, since they've done up the showgrounds and put in that 4G pitch, it's looking good. Um, <laughs> Leinster are unbeaten in the league with only Ulster able to stop them from getting a full set of try bonus points uh, and potentially the weather had a big influence in that. Connacht have the one win uh, under their belt, which is against Munster, uh, but would be looking to continue their good form from the, um, with another big performance at home. What way do you see this one going, Jeff? Um, well, I've gone for Connacht now three weeks in a row and they finally served um, me right, but... You're going to ditch them like a hot snot. Oh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're gone. <laughs> you know, what is it? You know, no when to fold them. Like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, no, listen, I just, I just that, think that had, that had the qualities of I like you, but <laughs> yeah, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I'm going for Lancer in this one. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, Leinster have been very, very good. Whereas Ulster got or Connacht got that win against Munster there last weekend. Like we just said already, like you have to look at what they were up against as well. They won't be up against that, you know. And um, like another guy we probably didn't mention there uh, when talking about Leinster, Jason Jenkins. Like if he's playing against uh, Connacht as well, like he's destructive. Like he's absolutely destructive. And if we're talking about front five power, um, like he's he's it at the moment you know I, I think he he is literally the the face of it and i think if leinster win a fifth star this year they probably won't put a star in they'll just put a picture of jenkins face on the jersey where the fifth star would go but um how dare he stop you know good players coming through and everything but no we won't get into that but um i know i'm just going for leinster i think that they, they'll just win like it like everything just points towards a leinster win at the moment for me to be honest yeah, I think I'm I'm the same as you. I think Leinster's power game, the way they're they're playing narrow and able to suck teams in. I think as long as they they don't put out too rotated a team, and I'm not sure whether they can with their injuries and everything else. Um, I think they they may keep it um somewhat similar to to the team we've seen over the last couple of weeks. If they if they do that, they should have the power easy enough to to overcome. Connacht and that, that's that's not a, a slight on Connacht that's just the way things are in terms of Irish rugby in terms of budgets and player pools etc um, it's very hard for Connacht to do that I think with the the likes of Aki missing this game through suspension and things um, it makes it just so much harder for Connacht Connacht need everything to go right to be in with a real chance of getting this game and that's and things to go wrong for Leinster. Yeah, that's uh, actually a very good way of putting it. Connacht need everything to go right, whereas Leinster can deal with issues. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and that's that's the way I would look at that. Um, I think Connacht hopefully can continue and find parts of their game and continue to build on that from the Munster win and take positives out of it as they as they head into towards the um, November international break. But I think this one's just going to be a, a stretch too far for them. So I'm going to Leinster as well. What did, uh, what did Tom, Tom text it? I think Tom said Leinster, to be fair. He did. He did. Um, so that's uh, three for Leinster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go and wash our mouths out with soap later on. Um, uh, Ulster. Ulster. Um a game we just we just we just had a quick chat about it off air, and which you said was effectively like a training ground run. Yeah, for them. Uh, they beat the Ospreys 47-17 in a seven-try demolition. They had tries from Marshall, Andrew, Carter, uh, second from Marshall, McCluskey, Carter, and Ray, uh, with John Cooney adding uh, six conversions on that. Um, it wasn't even close. No. That's the best way I can describe it. No, Ulster came out of the block straight away and you're kind of watching it. I think they went 14 nil up and you're kind of watching it. And they went 14 nil up, I think, in about seven minutes, seven, eight minutes, under 10 anyway, yeah. I think, if I'm correct. But it was, it was quick enough. Like, and I was kind of watching it and I was like, this is going to get real ugly now for the Ospreys unless they kind of switch on here. And in fairness, the Ospreys, then they came back, they scored a try. Um, 
as a response, I should say, to those two tries, and you're kind of like, okay, right, maybe game on here, but then it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It just, like, I've never watched a team score 47 points, but be kind of, and this is no reflection to Ulster, like, they, they had a great game and they, they smashed them, like, but I've never watched a team score 47 points, but be kind of bored watching the game. Like, I was kind of like, if someone just watched the highlights, that was probably it. Like, nothing really happened in the interim. You know, there was no drama. There was no real spark, I suppose. It was just kind of like a box ticking exercise. Like, we need to score four tries. Tick. We need to kick our goals. Tick. We need to win collisions. Tick. It was kind of, it was regimental. It was just, get through this, get a try bonus, and we're looking to South Africa. And that's what they did, to be honest with you. And they were they were excellent. They were absolutely excellent. And it's it's important now as well to stress that the Ospreys were without a lot of guys as well. Don't get me wrong. They didn't smash a full-strength Osprey side um, because Ospreys were resting a load of players as well. But Or they were forced to rest a load of players. But at the same time, you can only play what's in front of you. And it's like the way that when Ulster did the double over Leinster last year, you had some people saying, yeah, but look at the Leinster team, they bet. It doesn't really matter. It's points are points and a team is a team and you can only play what's in front of you. But geez, they absolutely smashed them. Like absolutely smashed them. I felt Alan O'Connor especially was so good. Um, Nick Timoney, unbelievable. John Cooney was very, very good. But Luke Marshall was class. He was absolutely class. The running lines he was running and even at about 70 odd minutes, it was 75 minutes in, I think, he led a turnover off reading a really good tackle outside the Ospreys 22 when the Ospreys are about 30 odd points behind and you're just like that's what you want like at no point did he switch off he realized that the carrier it was a screen pass from a a pod off nine let's say he realized the carrier had fully kind of turned around or he wasn't going to tip pass just bounced through onto the threat nailed him got up led that counter rook managed to hook the ball back with his foot and Ulster in possession then just outside Osprey's 20. That's 75 minutes into the game, and that's what he's doing. Like I felt he was absolutely unbelievable. I think, and one of the things that has stood out to me from Ulster's early part of the season is, like, they're, what, they've three wins. Um, it's only the, the loss to um, Leinster. Ospreys would have been a bad, or were a bad matchup for them last year, the way Ospreys were playing. This was a comprehensive win, whereas last season away to the Ospreys, I think they lost. Um, but yeah, got... it, was, it was kind of a, it was a sad loss, if that makes sense. You're watching it, yeah. and you're like, you shouldn't be losing this game, like exactly. And I think those sort of things hit them toward or cost them towards the end of the season. Whereas you look at Ulster, like at the start of this season, they've been without Henderson, they've been without Hume, they've. Lost a couple of players like Balakoon and maybe a couple of others that would have been in and around these games, um, you know, that have gone on the Emerging Ireland Tour. But suddenly they're going to get back the likes of Hume, uh, Henderson. They're going to get Rory Sutherland, who, you know, is a, he's a an extra. Yeah, he's a Lions loose head. We've been saying all along they needed to add something to that front row a bit more quality and depth to it. They're doing that. and it's so, the they, so, they, so they went and got a lion. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not only that, but they it's it hasn't been officially announced by Ulster yet, but I think it's been pretty much agreed that Stephen Kitchoff is coming, coming on, a three, yeah. on a three-year deal after the World Cup. Insane I mean, signing. Yeah, exactly. And they've, they've only just got... Um, Tomago Allen. From, uh, Dwayne Vermeulen back as well. Yeah. And they've got uh, Tomago Allen as well. They have added... And done an awful lot to their pack. They've um, and I think these games that they maybe dropped points in last season that they're starting to pick up. I think this is a real sign that if it's to, and I think that the trip to South Africa would be a big one. If they can get one, maybe two wins out of it, that would be a huge, huge thing for them. I think like they're first up now. They've got the Lions. Um, on Saturday afternoon, um, both teams are three and one, um, but there's a difference in the bonus points earned. So Ulster are in second in the league, and the Lions are sixth. Um, who are you going to go for on this? 
it's a tough one because you were talking about Ulster there and their their kind of power and everything like that. Like their front five has the most carries. It's probably the most value front five of the well, it is of the four provinces at the moment in terms of workload and stuff like that. They're scoring a lot. Like they're scoring nearly thirty eight points per game on average. Like that's pretty high. But are they going to do that in South Africa? I think they will. And on my predictions, I actually had Lions down, like, because I wrote them down earlier because I was kind of going through the pros and cons in my head because I'm taking this very seriously. But now that I'm talking out loud, I'm kind of like, why am I going for the Lions here? What is it that's making me go for the Lions? And it's probably the fact they're at home. It's hard to go to South Africa and stuff like that. But if you look back to last year when Ulster went to South Africa, they didn't, but they should have gotten a win. Now, I think they're of good value for that win again over in South Africa. And while I backed Connacht to get a win over in South Africa and it failed me horribly twice, I have talked myself out of the lines in the last 30 seconds and talked myself into Ulster. I'm like, Jesus, yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go with Ulster, I think. I don't know why. I have a feeling. I have a feeling based on homework, but also just gut. Oh, but I'm going to go for the lines as well. I don't know. I'm I'm actually going for the Lions. Or sorry, I'm going to go for Ulster as well. Um, I I think they have enough in their um, squad. I think they've built up in terms of their pack. I think they were good last season down in South Africa. I know this is the first one is maybe that um, they're playing at altitude in Johannesburg. Um, it could be a tricky game for them but I think they, they've also got and they they will have their emerging Ireland players there so the emerging Ireland players um, the Ulster players are meeting up and are staying in South Africa and meeting up with them so they'll have the likes of Balakoon and those back they're primed ready to go I think this will boost the squad even further and I think it's just enough to see see them get a win um, against the Lions Do you know what? I'm going to go with Ulster as well yeah I'm going to, yeah, I've decided, yeah, I've talked myself out of it and you've just kind of, uh, you have, you've made me go with it too. Tom went with lines though. Yeah. Um. So one of us is going to be right next week. Um, well, either we're going to draw well away from Tom or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in terms of the prediction league or Tom is going to catch up with us. Yeah, well, actually I can't catch you this week, but I can beat Tom. So I'm happy to beat Tom. To be honest, with you, I'll take that. I could actually be too ahead of Tom if if I'm correct and Tom's wrong. So here's hoping. Um, Jesus, yeah. yeah. I think actually, last thing I'll probably say, like, because we're probably finishing up, like, but I think Munster Bulls is a great test for Munster. I think that Leinster game against Connacht could be just as entertaining as the one we saw against Sharks there last week. I think Lions Ulster could be up there in terms of entertainment as well. I think we're in for three very good games. I think so. I think uh, there'll be three very good games in that. Last thing we'll touch on just before we leave is obviously the emerging Ireland wrapped up their tour in South Africa on Sunday afternoon with a 21-14 win over the Cheetahs in Bloemfontein. Um, again, I'm not too sure. I think it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this tour in terms of will players be used in the autumn internationals? Will we see these players um, that have been sort of, I suppose, stood out on tour? Um, will they get their chance at international level or is it even going to count or does is it going to still be defined on the URC and um, Champions Cup rugby? But I think there were a number of players who stood out for it. I think um, for me, I think... Jack Crowley has showed that he's potentially Munster's best out half this season, playing under this new symptom or system. And the sooner he gets back and into a red jersey, the better for them. And obviously Tom Ahern as well was a um very impressive and again someone who should shine in that that new Munster system. Yeah, I think when you see how Crowley played over there and you see the style of Munster or style of play Munster want to bring in, like actually one of the questions came in there, like uh to the Twitter handle was like should Crowley start for Munster? And uh, the person who sent it even said, this is a controversial one. But I was like, that's not controversial in my eyes at all. Like, He's played brilliantly well and it suits him. So why not start him? Do you know what I mean? Like, And we've seen 
like I like I wasn't terribly impressed from the Monster Tens over the last couple of weeks. Let's be honest here, like, and well, no, I I don't think it's going to make a difference at international level. I think we we could still see a situation where you have Crowley starting for Munster, but um, Farrell picks Joey Carberry. Yeah, we've seen him. We've seen him do it with the likes of he's put Harry Byrne into, yeah, into these yeah, squads. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's taken players that Jimison Gibson Park wasn't the starting nine for Leinster for a long time when he started off with him. So I don't think that matters. Farrell will pick players based on who he thinks will perform in his system and has performed for him previously. Yeah. Form and sort of short term form is less of an issue for him at I was international at, level. I was asked a great question there during the week. Do I think it benefited Ireland or did it weaken the provincial sides? And I think they're not exclusive. I think it did both. I think it was hugely beneficial to the Ireland team. And in terms of the, the provinces, really, I think you can only say it weakened Connacht and Munster because Ulster and Leinster just kind of got on with it. And uh, I think there's a... There's maybe a case to say it. It I think it weakened Ulster's bench for the for the Leinster. Oh yeah, game. yeah, that's probably fair actually. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, you know, I I, I think it did, and you could say would Balakoon have had the in, instead of Sexton if Balakoon was finished there, that, that try? Ball? Actually, fuck yeah, I forgot. About, I didn't mean to curse there. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're you're dead right actually there on that one. I forgot about that incident. Yeah, so look, I, I think there, there is, as you say, I don't think they're, they're mutually exclusive. I think it was probably very good for a lot of the fringe players to see what was required to get into the Ireland setup and, you know, what would be asked of them by coaches. Whether the quality of the opposition was good enough to do that, I think it was more of a training camp with a couple of runouts. For me, the biggest disappointment is that they've deliberately weakened the league itself. And the URC, yeah, that wasn't taken out of, yeah, yeah. And you know, I I think that's it. The I mean, like the the other <clears throat> the other talking point then, I suppose from from today, just uh, before we round it up, is obviously wasps are going into administration as well now. Today, that's been pretty much confirmed at this point. Yeah, um, they they have to give the formal announcement, but that's expected. I think in the in the coming hours or days, and. It's again similar. It's it's slightly different to the Worcester case. Worcester was just pure bad management, um, from what we can understand from the owners. Wasps is a case where they they really went for bust in in terms of their bonds. The markets has went against them in terms of their financing of it, and they have then it's been called. Well, what it. I what I was led to believe with the Worcester situation was that it was actually the fans' fault for not showing up to games or not enough fans showing up to games. So that's what I heard. I heard it's the fans fault and the owners are very clear on that, you know, that as, the, as they tried to sell the land away underneath the club. What a bullshit <laughs> statement. What were they thinking? Blaming the fans. Like, Oh my good God above. Um, but on the wasp situation, like, yeah, it's, it's a horrible situation. And like, I mean, you now look at, do you remember at the start of the season, when the salary caps came in and suddenly you had players who were being released by clubs um, looking to get contracts, very short notice kind of a thing, um, not being retained. And now, you know, you, you have players who might have just signed a new contract or might be halfway through a contract, might have a year and a half left on a contract, whatever it is, suddenly just finding themselves, right, you're done. We'll probably have to release you as players as well. You have teams that are you know, managing the salary cap probably don't have much money left over to be able to sign players. You have backroom staff, you've coaches, you've the people who work on game days, like even the people in the tickets and everything like that, you've their families. Like it's such a horrible situation to be in. It is. And look, I mean, from a, you want to bring it back to a sort of a, an Irish level, you know, you've got John Ryan who only just moved over there. Jesus, He's now in a yeah. situation. You know, it's uh, hopefully he can get some sort of a contract somewhere on this. And, um, you know, he's not left completely out of pocket. Well, same with all the players, like, you know, yeah, it's um, it's just so horrible. Like, and especially when you think to yourself, like, like pro sports fickle enough, like, you know, one tackle, one wrong move or something like that. Like, and that's it. Your career is finished, like, let alone for something to be pulled out like this when you just signed a new contract or you, you think oh, I still have another two years left of security for my family and my kids in school up the road and my wife's just starting a new job here. We've just bought a house, like, and suddenly, poof, 
all gone. Like, um, absolutely horrible. Like, and like, and I think it's important people as well. Like, and I'm sure they do like, but just recognize the human side of it, not just like, oh, you know, the players are are gone or the club isn't playing, but like, it's it's families. Like, it's it's. And it's it's Family. not just the players. It's not just the players. It's you know the the people who work in the admin and the back. Oh yeah, everything. All the, all the owners. You know they're they're all in the they're all in the same boat, and that's that's the tough part of it. And look, you hope every everyone can find something else there to keep them going. Um, and I'm 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 hopeful <laughs> rather than and I've no no background knowledge on this. I'm I'm hoping the likes of John Ryan can find a contract maybe back home in Ireland somewhere. You know. Yeah. Munster and Connacht will both do with a little bit of help in, yeah. in, in on the tight head side. So hopefully there's something can be worked out there that'll see him come back. Yeah. But we'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen, as it really helps. And also be sure to share the podcast on social media. Hope you have a good week. And Jeff and myself will be back next week, but we'll have to see about Tommy Tooley. Talk to you later.